Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. This is not a real show. I'm under protest. Okay, I was worried that was, for a second that I was worried that was an existent, either an existential statement or a statement about the quality of this program, <laughs> both of which might be fair. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I definitely agree this is not a real show. I think for different reasons than Glenn means. Um, would those be basement-related reasons? Those would be basement-related reasons, yes. yes. Down is up, up is down, left is right, dogs and cats having intercourse. I think that's the quote. I think it's living together. Okay. Well, that's, uh, I think it's implied, but okay. Well, one would, yeah, there's reason it was implied, though, <laughs> and not just said. That's right. why implication exists yeah. as a yeah. literary device. I like the single entendre. What <laughs> 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 is the master of the un entendre? We got, uh, yeah, no, yeah, I'm tracking. We got no lead today, and it's deeply weird and deeply unacceptable. I'm wearing no headphones. I usually have Lee in my headphones. Oh, your thing was less about the absence of our friend and more about your personal well kind of uh, style. Uh, you know, pick one because <laughs> I got a process. You do. You know, you that's tell us to pick thing. one. It sounds like you picked one and then well, said it out loud. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> take from that what you will. Do, do scripts interfere with your process? That, d- <laughs> does what? Sure. Do scripts interfere with yeah, your oh, process? Absolutely. I got. I got a. I got a free. I got a flow free. Should we just I mean? shoot a hundred? See what happens. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Right, right, I got, you know. Uh, part of my process is I got to have the uh, headphones on. Sure. Now, in, in the industry, we call right. those cans. Okay. Okay. And that's that lets people know that you 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 know the lingo. Now, should we turn your headphones up? Yeah, I need. I mean, I need the uh, things up in my headphones. Okay. You know. Should we reference more late '90s Dave Chappelle skits? It's working for me. I'm doing great. <laughs> Aren't we all? That's true. We have no Lee Younger with us this week. He is on special assignments at Young Life's Sharp Top Cove with the children and the obstacle courses and the blobbing and the running and the sweating. And uh, good luck with all that, Lee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love Young Life. Was a Young Life leader for many years. Glad to have done it. Wonderful experience. Kind of glad I don't do that anymore. Tis the season. It is. But we're going to press on boldly and courageously yep. in Lee's stead. Yep. Um, uh, it might get a little raw, folks. Not gonna lie. Lee is a normalizing, civilizing influence on this show. Lee's a good person, and that uh, that's a rarity in this group. He is the yeah. designated good person on this show. Yep. He really raises the average, right? So, uh, but we're gonna do what we can. Yeah. Well, should we just get to it then? Yep. I mean, just jump yeah. right in. Let's I'm going to interrupt myself. Wow! With an emergency declaration. Dang. Okay. Wow, that seems a little off. Putting. Yet, indeed it is. I'm scared, this, Glenn. I'm scared. We fear change. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we have a my bad emergency. We had this uh, message come in a couple of weeks ago, and I forgot to read it because Ooh. sometimes we record these a little late after a meeting and a jail service and maybe catching up on work from the night before. So, you know, we're not, and I'm not always all there, but we had a very good message come in that we wanted to make sure to highlight. So uh, a couple episodes back, we were without Glenn. Yeah. Those were dark times as well. I'm yeah. sure that's true. It was laid up. Right. So we were without him, and we tried to fill the void by wondering if in Glenn's absence we could become, like if we if we remove the Glenn influence, would we all drift more towards the Lee influence and become acceptable 
gentle, right. button-down, yeah. Christian people. A lot of sweaters. Uh-huh. We tried it. and um, I felt great about it. It's fair to say it was not a rousing success with the audience. No? I point us to this message that came in. It says, because you want people to be scandalized and comment at you guys. I believe that was the other part of that, as we had said some pretty naughty things. We got no attention. No one, uh, no one responded to our tantrum, so we kind of... <laughs> Pointed that even even further. When we act out, people, you have to play your role. Zachary, you have to reward us with attention. Yeah. Since you want people to be scandalized and comment at you guys, I just wanted to say that you guys pretending to be decent yeah. and super Christians with Jed alter egos without the warning. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. I'm on record being against the Jed slipping into character without warning. Yeah. It blurs the lines between reality and fantasy. Sure. Right. Where is the line, Matt? Yes. Where is the line? That's a question for you, friend. <laughs> And one you should always have an answer to. <laughs> there is no line. <laughs> That's horrifying. Well, which plays in the deck says, Jed, alter goes out the warning, is actually way scarier and just a no. Okay. Right. I prefer you guys being scandalous with yep. history and many references that I do not get. Right. You guys rock, by the way. Hope Glenn is okay. And when when this person says you guys rock. He means you. Okay. When the, well, he specifically uh, mentioned Glenn separately, so did he? Mm. That seems like someone trying to drive a wedge. Right yeah. There. We should yeah. probably skip over it then. Just, we'll move on to the content. Here's what I'm trying to say is uh, you want us to be scandalous. You need us to be scandalous. Would you prefer they just said thank you and went on their way? That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's a movie reference that people don't get. So Absolutely there right. you have it. We're right back in form. Or if you want to be classier, it's a theater reference that people don't get. Because it was a play first. There, that is true. Yes, is. we did order the code red against Santiago, but here's the thing. Here's the whole thing. Look, my legalism, it's a deadly weapon. Okay? That's... It's banned in most states. I have to carry right. an ID card. Right. Before I can get in a legalism fight with a person, I have to inform them. Right. Well, it's like uh, you, you people who do construction work, yeah. sometimes they use like a, a dynamite to do the, yeah. you know, bring the building down. Yeah. And you have to have, like, certification. Exactly right. You can't just jump into that level of high-octane legalism. That's because it could blow up on you. That's what I'm talking about. You know? And I, look, I'll be honest. You know I mean? For me, I'm a professional. Right. Okay? Right. But sometimes I forget that there are people, they're not acclimatized. Right. To what I'm bringing to the table. That's right. What I'm throwing down. They can't handle how real it gets. That's that's really the part that's, it, because it's it's not funny. No, no. It's, it's, just, it's just real in a way that's that's... Pretty creepy. I'd describe it as mad real. And Glenn, I'm glad that yeah. you brought this up because I believe, Glenn, that falsehood is a sin. I'm going to skip nope. over the grab. Bad touch. By, nope. By the way. And I think oh, that... No. Oh, no. No, no, no. This is what we were warned about. This is what people <laughs> ask for no more of. Matthew, I, I think that when we think of the nope, gospel... Call me Matthew is the creepiest possible thing. That bears your name. We are yes, that's how that goes. That's named after me. Thank you for recognizing that. Sin of lying... And the I, real legalism is in the pauses. That's <laughs> that <is laughs> so awkward, true. unnecessary pauses. That that is so so. Whenever you hear someone talking like that, they're gathered. They're filling their legalism buffer <laughs> in between words. That that's why so the second true. word comes out faster than normal words. That's right. That's We're reminded true. of the sin. Uh, that's how it's happens. It's built up. That's yeah, right. Exactly that's right. right. Well, I think what we're dealing with here Tell is. Uh, uh, th- th- people love that we are a little 
scandalous. Absolutely. We little, make them feel better about themselves. That's what it is. We're a little bit naughty. Right. Well, so it's like, you know, so people, they they tune in and they, they, they see like the, the Sons of Anarchy. Sure, sure. Know, Alternate like, title for this podcast. Absolutely. You know, kind of a naughty biker uh, behavior right. or whatnot. They get on their, the, what they call them is a hog. I've heard that. That is what they call them. They get on their hogs. Yeah. And they rev them up real loud. You know, and the, right. and the neighbors get upset. Because that's hardcore. That's hardcore. Right. Okay. So we're like that. We're, we're less on the murder, drug trafficking, and arms trafficking, right. but definitely on the part. waking up the neighbors part. But we yeah. do have matching vests. <laughs> <laughs> ours, are, ours are cashmere. Right. They're more right. sweater vesty than leather. They, but they say nice. L.L. Bean on them, which right. is a little yeah. less uh, intimidating. But, uh, but, uh, but so that's people listen to this show and they say, well, I'm not as bad as they are. Sure, absolutely. So then that, that makes them feel good. Uh, sure. That is a literal thing. I know at least uh, Glenn and I, I'm sure... Jed and Lee have heard as well. A literal thing I've heard about this show. Really? I tune in, and I if you if, th- if these guys are Christian, I can do it. Right. That's uh, that's that's true. That's Make fair. People better, feel better about where the bar is. Sure, absolutely. Makes you sense know, to me. To to me, I don't know if y'all have seen this, but this is my one of my number one pet peeves. Is when you're driving down the road, and I've got the billboard for the new mega church. Right. Sure. And it's particularly it's the mega church that's not mega. Right. Ooh. But they want it to be mega. Yes, absolutely. So they've got the, pre-mega. Yeah, that's right. Well, they're starting with the billboard. That's, that's just exactly. sound church planning philosophy. That's exactly it's exactly what it is. You don't want to do outreach. You just do the billboard, and. Well, the, the billboard comes out of the outreach budget, so technically. Uh, yeah, that's right. But the, the billboard is always of people I definitely don't want to go to church with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. They're too freshly scrubbed and straight and squared away. All you wearing know? matching cream sweaters. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong about this, but occasionally I will drive from Chicago back to Tennessee, which means driving the entire uh, length of the state of Indiana. That's not which easy. Which is really a problematic thing, but- as you might expect, there's a lot of mega churches by interstates, a lot mm. of mega churches in the Midwest, so there's a fair few in Indiana. And I'm sure this is wrong, and it's just my perception, but I could swear there's the same family on two different oh, church yeah. billboards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a stock photo of Absolutely. The, the, you know, the, and, they, the, and they all kind of got that grin on their face, like, you know, they think they're better than you, and yeah. they think, you know, it's like, you know. Well, in my case, they are better than me, let's, well, the, let's that's, be honest. That's very much true. But, uh, you know, they, they've kind of got that, that look on their face like, I've got it together. Yeah. I don't want to go to church with those people. Bless them. You know. <laughs> you know, the, the, this is... Now, uh, Glenn, are you saying that the bridge, we, the service we do on Tuesdays is maybe a, not a place for people to have it all together? <laughs> it, people well, don't that, come out with that attitude? Well, I've, I've pretty much got it. You know, what's funny is if, if people who are the straightest, most squared away church folks in the world come to our service where something... We were talking about this last night. Something horribly scandalous happens every, every week. week. Yes. And they love that. Yeah. They, they don't, they, they think that's great. So why wouldn't everyone do that? You like know? one of my, my favorite recent one, we were talking about this last night is there was a guy, he, I believe he got out of a car. He may have walked up and had the, the classic bottle of liquor in the brown paper bag and in one smooth motion walks by Jed, tips it up to finish it off, throws it in the bushes and then very, very sharply says, Jed, I guess I can't take that in there. Yeah, that's correct. That's right. And yes, he was in a car. 
And yes, he was. He pulled up. And he went in, and he was fine, and he was lovely. He was a pastor. We don't have any problems. And that's the thing. It's you know, but that's it's, you're saying if there was a picture, a billboard with a guy holding the brown paper bag, yeah, a little stumbly, <laughs> yeah, and just him standing in front of a church, going, "I guess I'll go in here." Right. That would that would be a church. I would go to that. Church. I would go to that church. I would go to that church. Yes, I, for it, it would be the one church where I I, I wouldn't have to worry that I'm yeah. the most scandalous person. <laughs> yes. There. Yes. Uh, you know, and he, he gets it. He knows it's bad to bring a, an open bottle of liquor into church. Absolutely. You know, he's, he's trying to make changes. That's he's going the problem. To he, 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 yeah, he's worked it out. You Absolutely. know, you finish off your liquor first, then you go into church. You know, that's, I understand that, you know. Well, here's the analogy for me. There, there's, there's two types of people who've been working out for a while who, when they go to the gym. And so you, obviously you got your people who've been working out for a while, and then you got people that are new. Right. And I, I've been the new person, formerly I've been the other one. And you, you can either be the old gym person, you can be, well, you're not using that machine right. Or you can say, you know what? You're trying. Absolutely. Right. You're That's putting right. in the effort. That's we can right. all appreciate that. That's right. That's what we need a church full of those people. Exactly right. That's we don't right. need a church full of people criticizing people's inclined bench. That's right. <laughs> procedure. That's we need a church full of people who say, you did 50 minutes on the treadmill? That's super. That's yep. right. I think what you're trying to say is when it comes to church interaction, I don't need you to spot me. Yeah, no. You know, good. I do not good. need a spiritual spot. Because I'm bench pressing. Yeah. I don't need you standing over me. Yeah. In the in, you know because you're laying down in the bench. Sure, no, I'm tracking. We, we we get the visual, and you got your we your get the visual, and a person we is get standing over you with the. Helping the we lift all it. understand the what's going on. Positioning here. is, you know, sure. So it, master of the single entendre. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Don't spot me, bro. Sure, there we sure. go. <laughs> Absolutely, that's good. That's good. It's very good. I brought, I brought, I pulled yeah, it out there. Yeah, that's good. I pulled it out. I, 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 I sense the danger, <laughs> and I swooped right out yeah, of there that's after good. Bit, staying a little bit way too long in that yeah. dive, and then I pull it out at the end. Yeah, that's well, I, I, I think after a week of, I believe as I put this, I think I responded to this message in the blog post, and as I put it. Apparently, people see us acting like respectable, normal church folk as a cat standing on its hind legs. Sure. For mm-hmm. the first two seconds, like, well, that's impressive. And after that, it just gets creepy. Yeah, it's just weird. It just yeah. doesn't look right. Yeah. So I think that's the way people view us, which is entirely fair. Right. And I think we've done an excellent job over the last 10 minutes or so um, dropping their expectations back down to normal. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, let's Let's keep it weird. It's our quality guarantee. You can always tune in to feel better about yourself because we're awful. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Too long for the too long for the iTunes slogan, but totally true. <laughs> and with our bar reset, so very very low, I declare emergency off. Emergency off. Amen. Now, something the one the one area of this organization the, from the digital side where we intend to, where we try to raise the bar, we try to keep it high, we try to do it right, we try to really put our best foot forward. Well, that'd be Bridgebox. Ooh. Mm. That would be songs, sermons, Bible studies, lots of good stuff based around a topic. July, June's topic is, what does God really think of me? I remembered it. <laughs> Jed, Jed, Jed was like about to jump in there just because I was looking at him panicked <laughs> and mouthing the words, what are the topic? It's like he doesn't believe in me because right. I can't remember the topic 75% of the jerk. time. Absolutely. But we have, what does God really think of me? So it's all about identity. You'll get some Bible studies. you get some sermons from Glenn and myself, music from Jed, Lee, and some friends. Lots of good stuff for only $8 a month. And all that money goes directly to helping us hire part-time employees who are products of the ministry right here in Chicago to work on the streets and behind bars. So you can sign up for that. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. All right, we're going to our first question here. 
If you hang on this all the way to the end, I'll give you the email and blog address where you get in touch with this. There's a little bit, a little bit of a longer question. There's a lot going on, but it's a very good thing. There's going to be a lot of stuff we can pull out of this that are kind of universally applicable. So this person wrote anonymously and it says, I just moved in with my grandparents to be my grandpa's official caregiver since my grandpa, since my grandma was having trouble doing it all by herself. My grandfather is 92, has diabetes and Alzheimer's, and as long as I get him his meds on time and take him on a daily walk and just be a buddy, it's not hard to make sure he's happily getting along. I enjoy it. My grandmother, on the other hand, is absolutely driving me up a wall. She is super depressed that he's getting old and cries about him dying all the time, and then the next minute gets angry and yells at him for repeating or forgetting things. She makes me feel sort of guilty when I go out to spend time by myself, even if my grandfather's all cared for. If she gets really stressed out or hurts herself, she insists on getting super drunk and takes way too many meds and gets me involved by having her drive her out for more wine, or she says, I'll just drive myself with my sprained knee and get it. She asks me not to tell my mom about any of this stuff. She lies to the doctor about what's going on with her, about what her meds or about what meds she's been taking, and won't go to counseling because she thinks the meds should do the job by themselves. She is way harder to take care of than my grandfather, even the one who he, even though he's the one who actually physically needs it, and it is driving me crazy. I don't know how to deal with addicts. I feel like I'm always giving in, and I get tired and bitter, but she's so emotionally delicate that she becomes impossible to communicate with yeah. if I try to confront her. You'll get your turn. <laughs> how do I keep my sanity as a young woman in her mid-20s in a new town, and how do I not feel guilty and afraid every time I leave? How do I do my job without her getting in the way. So like I said, there's a lot of specifics to this question. There's a lot of good stuff in here in general about boundaries, about addicts, about standing mm -hmm. up for yourself, about what it takes to do something in a difficult environment. Particularly, and I've talked to this the person who wrote this question offline a little bit, someone who said, I, I felt a lot of peace about my God calling me to this place, yet there are still people here who drive me crazy. So there's a lot of stuff for us to look in, but Glenn, where would you start us off with this? Yeah, uh, here's a, uh, you, here's where you, you lost me. She's so delicate. This delicate flower who's dumping massive amounts of guilt on you, is manipulating your ever, every move, is, is, is wringing sympathy out of you when she's not the one with the health crisis. Here. Might she be conveniently delicate? Yeah. Uh, gr grandma's delicate. I don't think you need to be delicate with her. That's the wrong maneuver. You know, first and foremost, here's the thing. Uh, when you're dealing with someone who's got an addiction, uh, wherever you see an addict, there is an enabler. That's the first thing we have to recognize. Can you break down for us exactly what you mean by enablement? Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. If someone who's addicted is not able to function as a normal person would, uh, 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 addictions grow to encompass everything in your life, and you're not able to handle your normal responsibilities. So that means you're not able to do uh, job stuff. You're not able to, uh, you know, uh, handle household chores or any of those kinds of things. And eventually, uh, you need someone to buy you alcohol or drugs, or you need money for things. You need other people to feel sorry for you as an excuse uh, so that you can drink and get away with it and these kinds of things. So... The enabling part comes in when you are literally equipping this person to continue in their addiction because their addiction has made them unable to function as a, as a person. They're, so they're feeding the addiction in order to keep going, uh, and they're not handling their normal responsibilities, and they are now convincing you to feed that addiction, for you to keep it going. Uh, that's all really good stuff. And let's, we've talked a lot on this show, particularly in terms of porn, but we're here about kind of 
the fact that an addict is a specifically defined thing. Mm-hmm. So how does enablement work when not commenting on whether this woman's grandmother is addicted or not? It doesn't actually right. matter right now. Right. How does enabling work outside of the realm of addiction and just in the realm of bad relational behavior? Well, yeah, I think it, it really comes down to what are you asking me to support, mm-hmm. if you if you think of it in those terms, or what's the goal of this thing? Because we talk about people enabling bad relationship dynamics, yes. bad treatment, and all that stuff. It's a, a similar thing, but maybe not exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if if she's saying, I'm sad, and I need you to buy me some happy juice— uh, you know, if they call it happy juice, that's a warning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then uh, the what you're doing is you're literally enabling her to move forward with that addiction. Um, so what you have to do in that situation is to set a boundary and say, I'm, I, "I will do something to help you have a happier life, or whatever. I'll go for a walk with you. I'll whatever, whatever." But no, I'm not going to equip you. I'm not going to enable you in this. I'm not going to hook that up for you. Um, uh, but I think moving forward, and I think this is the crux of what you're trying to get to, is first and foremost, zero manipulation. Mm-hmm. Well, I, my, I guess I'll go on my weak leg. Do whatever you want, old lady. That's the right answer. Yeah, That's the yeah. Christian answer. Sure. Because here's the thing. If I let you manipulate me and... You perceive that it works. Mm -hmm. You don't know that I love you, Mm -hmm. and you can't trust that Mm -hmm. I love you, because love is not the thing that's happening there. If I manipulate you, I'm suspecting that you don't love me and that you wouldn't help me unless I did the Mm -hmm. manipulation. Also, I suspect if, if it's an addict that's doing the manipulation, they're saying, I suspect that you know you shouldn't. I suspect you don't want to hook me up in this. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing something I know is wrong to get you to do it. Mm -hmm. And I suspect you know it's wrong, but Mm -hmm. you're doing it anyway, Mm -hmm. which is not love. Mm -hmm. So by giving in to manipulation, you're communicating a lack of love Mm -hmm. every single Mm -hmm. time. So the the odd thing is if she says, well, I guess I'll have to walk in the snow and get my own wine for whatever, you know, and all I ask for is just where, hey, you know, I love you. That's number one. Number two, you're full of it, and that's not working. Mm-hmm. Not now, not ever. Number three, if you want me to help you, find a way, go, go in the other room and come back in and ask me nice. Mm-hmm. No manipulation, no hustle, no nothing. Because I want to help you, because I love you. I'm here. I want to do this, and I want to do it right. No playing games. Go out, come back, ask me again. If you can't do it, you don't want to do it. If you don't like my tone, I understand that. I don't blame you, but I'm not doing this with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, now, that's what a loving person says. She could come back and say, Well, you don't love me. You don't want to help me out. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I'm showing you love because mm-hmm. what I'm telling you is you are driving me crazy. And I'm telling you at the same time, I want to help you. That's love. Yeah. If I respond to your manipulation and I help you because you guilted me into it, that's not love. If I, if I go with you, that's not love. So I think that's the, 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 the essence of what we want mm-hmm. to try and uh, uh, recognize is no, no manipulation and set those boundaries. Old people need boundaries. And I'll, I'll let Jed flesh this out. But old people need boundaries just like small children do. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you can, they get to an age where they're going to try and see what they can get away with. And it's, you have to establish early on, 
you're my grandmother, you're my grandfather, I love you, I respect you. This is the way that, 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 that you treated your kids and your grandkids, this is the way I'm treating you in your old age with respect, with love, but no, you can't get that, no, you can't get away with that, no, I'm not gonna buy that for you, no, I'm not gonna keep your secrets, you need to behave. You know? mm-hmm. Well, it's a lot of great stuff. And Jed, if you can pick that up for us with this idea of drawing boundaries. We talk about that a lot. Um, it's an important thing in all relationships. We've pointed out many times. Um, it, I think one of the things that's tripping up a friend in the question here, one thing that can trip a lot of people is um, boundaries are not just for people who don't have any problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a, as Glenn's kind of pointed to here, you know, okay, I know what I need to do is draw a boundary, but this person's fragile or this person's mm-hmm. been through a lot mm-hmm. or they have this particular hang up or whatever. And how do we approach this as once we're out here in a way that is respectful and loving of y- whether it's you have, you know, we deal with people at the bridge who have been through a, just an imaginably horrible mm-hmm. upbringings and episodes, but that doesn't mean they get to run wild because mm-hmm. we feel sorry for them. That's right. In the same way, uh, manipulation isn't love. Pity isn't love. That's so right. That's how right. do we draw that line between, Loving and um, respecting, but also pointing out there are things I will not put up with. Mm, That's a great question. Let's draw the camera back for a second. The reason that we're able to have civilization, the reason that we're able to have society is because... Aliens. Aliens. Yes, that's exactly where I was headed. I'm watching a lot of history channels. (laughs) It's great. It's it's very That's what history means. Yeah. Alien documentaries. Absolutely. (laughs) It's the reason why we have cities and towns and communities, and it's not just, you know, random nomadic wanderers on the face of the earth. So we have a thing called the social contract. People have agreed with one another... We will limit our individual behavior so that we are able to get along and be together for the betterment of all. That's why all societies have laws. You can't kill people. You can't steal things that don't belong to you. You can't set buildings you don't like on fire. (laughs) If you can dig it, laws are boundaries. Um, And they're they're boundaries that, in a sense, we've all agreed to. We've all Mm -hmm. agreed this is behavior that is unacceptable. And it's unacceptable because it, it... gets in the way of the common good. It gets mm-hmm. in the way of good things happening. Well, in the same way that all societies have laws, another way of saying is all societies have boundaries, all relationships have boundaries. Yeah. All relationships, whether they've been stated explicitly or not, all relationships have a line of things that the people involved in those relationships will and will not put up with. Mm-hmm. They, they all have that, every relationship in the world. Not all of them are healthy boundaries. Not all of those lines are set where they should be. But in the same way that every society has laws, every relationship has boundaries. The key question is, do you know what your boundaries should be? That's really the important thing. Right. Because right. you have them now, they can be changed. Part of what's going on in this question is right now we have boundaries that are not healthy. We, we are setting that mm-hmm. line of what's acceptable um, uh, too far in one direction. So the first thing that we need to be clear on before we talk to anybody else is what is it appropriate for me to expect, right? If you think about the way that you would navigate creating laws for a society, it's a similar thing. If, mm-hmm. if, I, if I own a piece of property, what would be appropriate for me to, to be able to expect? The appropriate expect someone who isn't me can't come and just take it just because they want it. Right. We'd all right. agree with that. We'd say, okay, therefore stealing is bad. All right. In a similar way, it's appropriate for you to expect you can have time off. You mentioned in your question that if you try and go out and get some time to yourself, there's a there's a sad song with a single violin and there's guilt and it's a whole thing. You have to be able to have time off. You have mm-hmm. to be able to have downtime. You have to be alone time. 
Therefore, we know we must have a boundary that asserts, I can have time off. I can have downtime. Once we know what that boundary is, it's about expressing it in a non-emotional way, in a very straightforward, very factual way. And it's about you, not about that other person. So it's not about saying, you can't make me feel bad when I go out and try to have a good time. That, that doesn't work. That's not asserting a boundary. Mm-hmm. Asserting a boundary is every day at 7 p.m., I will leave this house for two hours. Right. My phone will be off during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be very displeased if you attempt to put a guilt trip on me about right. that. But regardless... And I won't feel the guilt, so don't even bother. I won't feel the guilt. I'll feel offended, Mm -hmm, and I'll feel mm -hmm, insulted, but mm -hmm. I won't feel guilty. That's right. But regardless, I will be leaving this house at 7 p.m. for two hours every day without fail. If you are not back at 7 p.m., I will leave Grandpa by himself. That's right. It makes no... I know you're going to test that. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you now, I'm going to leave him by himself. At 7 p.m., I'm gone for the next two hours. Just so you know, mm-hmm. that, that's actually how you assert a boundary. That's mm-hmm. how you do that. But that brings us back to what we've been looking at, which is enablement. Let's take a look at one other definition of that. You know, a positive version, you wouldn't call it enablement, but you know, a positive version of this dynamic in your life. If you had a little three-year-old nephew who was pretending to be Spider-Man and he comes up to you and he goes pew, pew with his hands and he's swinging webs at you, you'd pretend like he got you with one of his webs and you'd struggle against it and whatnot. You're playing a role along with him. Mm-hmm. He's playing the role of Spider-Man. You're playing the role of bad guy that he just got with one of his webs. Right. right? We all get that. We all not me. That I'd works. explain that pew is not the sound that Spider-Man's web slingers make. And then I'd give him a very long diatribe about Jack Kirby's original intent. Would you start it with, um, actually. Indeed I would. Stroking your neck beard. Okay. We all, we a all normal know. person would just play along. No, normal person would play along. You're all normal people, I hope. Okay. When people, in a bad sense, want to be enabled, it's actually the same thing. They're saying, I want to play a role. That's right. And I need you to be a supporting cast member for me to play that role. That's exactly right. Grandma is saying, I am playing the role of beleaguered (laughs) um, and uh, beleaguered uh, heroine. Uh, say again? Oppressed. Oppressed, yes. struggling mm. against the elements, mm. um, you know, brave. Mm. Yep. Sally Field will play this in the movie sure. version of my life. Absolutely right. It's really, and what I need you to do is to play the person who pities me at all times yes. right. and gives right. me whatever I want. We're putting on theater here. Right. That's, right. that's, that's right. in the same way that the Spider-Man thing is theater, this is theater. Mm-hmm. Not enabling it's not even so much about saying you're not Spider-Man. We right. may communicate that, but it's not even so much about that as saying I'm not playing along. That's right. Mm. That's exactly right. I I will not be ensnared by your web. That's right. That's, um, right. That's right. Maybe you are this tragic Nicely figure. Done. Thank you. Maybe you're this tragic figure. Maybe you're not, but I'm not playing a role in that uh, production. That's right. That's, That's right. Again, at 7 p.m., I'm leaving every night. And, and just real quick to tank onto there, we, we were talking a little bit earlier uh, tonight about a, a scenario we won't mention. Oh, names. that's right. We talk off podcast. <laughs> Want to fight about it? Uh, we, we were we were talking about uh, a, a vaguely similar scenario. We don't want to get into to any kind of details, but uh, all of it is based around here's a person we can't talk to because they'll freak out. They'll yeah. do here's a I think the, a big key on this is to be immune to the freak out. Mm-hmm. On whatever it is that that's a manipulation move is I can't tell someone so they'll freak out and you know, whatever. Just to simply communicate to the world, 
I'm telling you this. You can do whatever you want with it. Spaz out if you want to. I will not be, I will not change my mind. It won't stop me. It won't change things. I'm listening to your feelings. I care about you as a person, but the freak out is not something I'm trying to avoid. And if you can dig it, part of what Jed is saying here is asserting those boundaries. Part of asserting a boundary is, 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 recognizing the other person will flip out a little oh, bit yeah. mm-hmm. and, that, and deciding that that's kind of okay sure. in the sense of nobody likes to hear a boundary but put on them and, sure. and they got to try things and they're going to test it as he was saying and to not resent that to not mm-hmm. worry about it to not be thrown by that to simply say hey uh, you know I, I i i don't blame me if you don't like it but i'm 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 not afraid of the freak out and i'm not holding back because of it well, on that exact point, and it wraps up on this, um, what, one thing that d- never works when inserting a boundary is trying to do a soft roll in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you heard both these guys kind of do the uh, the role play there. And boundaries have to be set hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's how it works. Mm-hmm. If you, you can't do the, I would prefer it if you would try mm-hmm. to refrain from that just because someone you're setting a boundary on who needs a boundary set is inherently testing that limit. Mm-hmm. That's right. So you're listening to him because Lee's not here. We can be at a hundred percent. You're listening to three guys who have really, really chewed out old ladies. Yep. That's right. And here's the reason why, because they're adults. Yeah, that's right. And they know how to behave like adults. That's right. And uh, to Jed's put to Jed's point about playing the theater, this does happen with older folks. Sometimes actually happens with people of all stripes, but we just noticed it in that particular demographic of they want to play like they don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. That's right. See what they can get away with. Yeah, just well, I you know, in my day we just, uh, don't care. That's yeah. right. This is how this is. Yeah. yeah. A concrete example from this, and it's a good idea of drawing boundaries. You can easily draw a boundary of I'm not lying to my mother. Yeah. So yeah. he shouldn't tell her about the thing. No, I don't lie to my mother. Yeah. That's I right. love you. I hear what you're saying, but that this where the ne- manipulation is not always as upfront as well, if you don't, I will just do. It's not always that. Um, I would li- I would like my situation to be so special that you break your rule of not lying to someone. That's a very classic manipulation. Yeah. That's actually mm-hmm. pretty classic addict manipulation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: is when I can say I love you, I care for you, I want to see everything good happen in your life, but I don't lie to I don't lie to yeah. my family members. So that's right. Can't help you on that. Just that's right. would love to, but it's just not an option. And that's, that's right. that really is the way. The, for me, that it helps setting boundaries is we talked about this before and kind of breakup stuff of a decision has been made. Right. Yes. Right. This is not a negotiation. We're not yeah. we're not we're not sitting down to drop a pact for where this boundary lays. I'm telling you where it where it is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we will then all act accordingly. Now that means you don't want to go and half cocked, you don't want to go off, you want to go in when you're frustrated or pissed, you wanna get your space, get your head together, pray it up. we we'll be happy to talk specifics with you. And then you wanna arrive on I can calmly and rationally and lovingly assert this boundary and it is now set and that's the end of this conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly right. a lot of really good stuff on that. Our move on our next question here. It came in anonymously in our Tumblr inbox and it says, am I a bad Christian? If sometimes I tend to be a pessimist or realist at times, a lot of Christians I see are optimists and are very perky and mm-hmm. happy and <laughs> cheerful. Yeah. And it's not that I'm not happy, but I don't always feel happy. And sometimes I'm just normal and stuff instead of always being joyful. Am I being a bad witness? Jed, why start us off on this one? Sure. Well, really appreciate your question. I appreciate your honesty. Um, no one is always joyful. There's no such thing. Um, mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, it, it is literally true that no one can maintain any one emotion at all times. That's right. Uh, yeah. No one is angry 24 hours a day. No one is sad 24 hours a day. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, that's just, that's how that works. Um, I would, I think it's worth looking at, although pessimism and realism may be closely associated, those are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, pessimism has a lot to do with actually the way that you see yourself, and it has a lot to do with... Um, uh, whether you see bad things as a pattern or not, um, realism is actually something that followers of Jesus Christ are commanded to engage in. Um, Jesus says to be wise as serpents, and part of the implication of that is to be aware of what the possible outcomes of a situation are. That's that's actually what it means to be a realist, is to say, here are the things that could occur. And, of course, to um, weigh them based on probability of occurrence. A realist says, yes, the catastrophic case could happen. It's also about a 0.01% chance. Um, We will put in place those safeguards that we can, um, but it's not terribly likely. The the thing that you have a concern about, I'm guessing, is that the the optimist, at least the the stereotypical optimist, assumes the best case scenario will happen all the time, no matter what. And I don't know how many people actually feel that way, but but you don't, and it's not a good idea to pretend that you do. Mm -hmm. But... There's actually a deeper issue here, which is um, your attitude and your view of the world, this sounds odd to say, but are something that should be at God's discretion to ask you to change. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a way, there's a, it's a big thing you know, online at this point. I, I, took this, I took this personality exam and it told me I'm a JKI LMNOP and that means <laughs> XYZ. Um, and the thing about it is if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, he gets to tell you who you are. Um, that includes your attitude. That includes your outlook. That includes, um, parts of your personality. I am nothing like the person that I was 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Glenn knew me then. He can attest to that. That's really true. Um, you know, and well, there, the, the person you are now was in there. Yeah. But as all these other layers come off, then that, then the real Jed emerges But as you're saying, you have to get that from the Lord, who the real Jed is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think for you, there there is a discipleship challenge of going to the Lord and saying, my attitude and outlook are yours to command. Mm -hmm. They are are going to be what you say they need to be. Um, I tend to see things in a pessimistic way, but God, I'm offering that to you. I'm placing Mm -hmm. that on your altar. I'm not assuming you're telling me right now to change that. But I'm saying if and when you want that to change, I'm open to beginning that journey. God may never ask you to change that. Um, mm-hmm. God may let you rest in your pessimism the rest of your life, and if he does, I'm so jealous of you. I am so <laughs> unbelievably <laughs> jealous of you. Right, right. Um, but at the same time, he may ask you to change that. And this is the key thing to know is, A, you can change it in his strength. You can decide mm-hmm. to have a different outlook. You can decide to have a different attitude. And that's psychologically true as much as it's spiritually Absolutely true. Absolutely right. All right. Um, but the other thing about it is moving away from unhealthy pessimism is not co-equal with being happy, happy, joy, joy, and pretending that everything is wonderful all the time. That's right. Um, a phrase I learned from Glenn and applies here is the opposite of a bad idea is another bad idea. Mm-hmm. If uh, those are pendulum swings, if right now we're on everything sucks all the time and I'm doomed, which is essentially what pessimism is, swinging to everything is wonderful all the time and I'm amazing that's actually not healthy either. That's right. That's not it either. We, there's, there's, um, there's a healthy place in between those two. That's probably where we want to land. But the key thing is letting the Lord have say-so 
over who the real us is, that real personality and that real outlook and that real attitude. That's absolutely right. And Glenn, maybe if you can kind of break down for us um, this idea of being a pessimist equals a bad witness and being super happy yeah. all the time equals a good witness. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Um, uh, uh, the uh, the act of pretending or, or, or putting, a as, as Jed said, a front out where you're, you're acting happier than what you really are is not an, an effort to be a good witness. It's not being a good witness. Yeah. A good witness is saying, I'm really struggling with this, and here's what the Lord is doing with me in that struggle. Here's what I'm learning. Here's how I'm growing. This is the stuff that, uh, because I'm wrestling with it, I've learned a few nuggets, but here's what I need to learn. That's mm-hmm. being a good witness, mm-hmm. is being raw, being authentic. Um, if you're trying to act straighter and more happy and more optimistic or whatever, uh, that's because you're competing with all the other phonies in your church to show who can act the most phony, happy of everyone else. Mm-hmm. That's about ego. That has nothing to do with the witness. It's a terrible witness to act happier than what you are. Now, there are certain people in your life that you can be honest with and certain people you, you, that you can't be honest with in terms of really showing your guts of what your struggles are if you're having some struggles. So that doesn't mean when somebody says, how's it going, that you just tell the full unvarnished yeah. truth to everyone. But it does mean if someone says, how's it going, you could say, I'm having my struggles. It's been a rough day. Really? You want to talk about it? No. I've got other people I'm talking to about it. I'm dealing with it. Uh, but, you know. Keep me in your prayers. Yeah, keep me in your prayers. That's There's nothing wrong with that. And that's uh, sure. uh, that's a smart way to handle it. That is exactly what I will tell you. If if I'm going through struggles, that's... And I've said that out loud many times. You know, just, you know, it's been a rough week, man. But, I you know, I'm, I'm working on it and we'll see where we're going, whatever. That's perfectly okay, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so so that's, that's the... Uh, the the, uh, the acting uh, optimistically thing or whatever and, and, and being a good witness. But I want to talk about the pessimism side of this thing as well, because, and this might count as our deep thought of the day, but here's what I want, to, want us to look at, is I think there's a difference in our thinking and the way that we assess the world, particularly as Christians. We try and develop uh, some wisdom and seeing how things work and letting the Lord show us things. And we can get stuck in one of two different modes. The first mode is being uh, is is getting stuck in a prejudice of always seeing things the same way. So if I say um, these people are like this, or people always see me this mm-hmm. way, or my family always does this, or this person is always like that, what what happens is I have that that judgment that I've put on that, that's, and and so each time I come into a new situation. I have that prejudice that's sitting in front of me, and I'm constantly getting a confirmation of that, or at least I'll see it, yep. maybe where it doesn't exist. This is the opposite of wisdom. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, wisdom is seeing things that are outside of our judgments and prejudices and all that, and saying, this is more than what I thought. There's, mm-hmm. This is more complicated. There's whatever... So that's the difference between that prejudice and seeing the patterns and seeing the matrices of things. Each new piece of information gives us a more full picture of what's going on. We understand why this person acts so crazy and mm-hmm. so nutty. We're not saying they're not nutty. The behavior still sucks just as bad. But but I noticed the way they said it. I, there was a There was a desperation in their voice. There was a... There was a frustration, there was an anger, whatever. I realized, wait a second, 
they're not this way because they're a jerk. They're this way because they're afraid or this, they're this mm-hmm. way because they ha- they're insecure or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now I'm learning, I'm growing with each new incident, you know. So I'm seeing sort of these, 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 these uh, a larger matrix of things going on versus one consolidated viewpoint, one prejudice, and everything, you know, confirms that. But that's the difference between someone who's a pessimist. A pessimist is someone who just thinks everything sucks and keeps getting confirmation yeah. of that and says, well, yeah. I must be right. Yeah. You know? That's no wisdom. That's no brain power. That's, it's, it's not a courageous look at things. Uh, it's not even human brain yeah. power is going into that. There's no, there's no, nothing positive happening there. And, and you're, it's hard to get out of that because again, life does suck just enough to keep giving sure. you confirmation on that. For that. Oh, no question about it. Uh, but uh, so what we want to break out of that, do to break out of that is to say, everything's a lot more complicated yes. than, than it seems. Well, and to come right in on that, that cause that's extremely sharp. Um, you know, one of the things that we've, as we've talked with, with young people online for a while now, one of the things that, that we've come back to is that sometimes folks get a little confused about the need for subtlety and nuance and awareness of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, putting on a shiny veneer at a job interview is not lying. That's, that's a right. good thing. It, um, because then it's understood that you're putting your best foot forward. Exactly that's right. A, that's a social convention we all understand. When they say, Johnson, do you feel like you could do this job? The answer is, yes, sir, I do. Right. It doesn't matter how you feel in that right. moment. Because um, they, they aren't literally asking you the, the stated question. They're l- asking you, what would your attitude be? Exactly. You're right. giving are, them are the Are you attitude. a can-do guy? Right, that's right. Um, that's you right. Know, similarly, you know, when you go on a, you know, a first date you know, with a pretty girl and whatnot, you're, it's expected you're putting your best foot forward. Right, that's right. I am not always this well-groomed. That's right. I am not, I am not always this well-dressed. That's right. You know that's what right. I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, the, these, these things are, are understood. Where we get into trouble is in church stuff where there's a blurring of what is this? Right. Is this a professional production that's essentially mass media mm-hmm. and it's all a calculated image? Or is this supposed to be a authentic, raw expression mm-hmm. of you know how things really are and um most churches really struggle figuring out where to land on that it, uh, yeah and, and don't let me interrupt your flow i love what you're saying but when we talk to church people not necessarily pastors but just you know church lay people yeah even in churches that have a lot of authenticity to them they will consistently say i feel like i'm choking on the lack of authenticity in here you know yeah. just i feel like we all are just not being ourselves. Exactly right. So what that leads to is two things. A, the folks that you're saying, I think they're just perky and happy and cheerful all the time. They are when you see them, right. but a lot of that has yeah. to do with the context you're seeing them in. Right. If you go to a larger church and like they're in the worship team, they've been told you will be perky and happy and cheerful when you're that's up right. here. So that's, that's, right. that's part of what you're seeing. We hope they have a safe place in their lives where they can be honest and raw and yeah. real and, and get it out. But whether they do or don't, to go back to what Glenn's saying, you must have that in your yeah, life. That's, right. that's, that's, that's essential. And part of the reason is there are places where that pessimism and realism, you need to keep that in check. Um, right. yeah. when, when, they, when they ask you, Johnson, do you feel like you can do this job? They're not looking for an actual assessment of the odds of your success at this right. company. That's right. They that's just right. want you to give a firm handshake and say yes. But in order to be able to do that, you need a place that's safe for you to be raw and real and authentic. Uh, that's absolutely right. I think the thing I would land us on this is to say, um, we need to look at what the healthy balance here is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's actually something that our friend of the question uh, lined out exactly for us. You know, I'm happy sometimes. I'm not happy all the time. That's yep. right. 
Yep, that is right. as it should be. That's right. We, we, we're looking for a, some balance here. We're looking for a, some, a middle path. If someone is happy all the time, that is insanity. And if someone is uh, pessimistic all the time, that is depression. That is, that's, neither of those are good. Yeah. It's not that happy optimists never see the bad side or that people never see the good side. It's if you're stuck in one mode, yeah. though, that's yeah. where we need to find a problem, look back on that. And somebody may point you to Philippians 4.4's 4, Bible verse that says, rejoice in all things. I will say it again, rejoice. Here's my retort to that. Paul repeated that command for a reason. Yep. That is not in our nature. And also rejoicing that verb of, as Glenn was kind of pointing out, being happy about something, seeing the positive side, finding, you know, something to be able to That's good. That's Christian. That's positive. Seeing everything as great all the time is a different thing. If you, mm-hmm. if you think you're, and I, uh, we've all been on this podcast, been here. I know I definitely have. If you think maybe I'm listing a little more towards what I call the Eeyore side of things. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, bother. Doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> Just here's an exercise for you. you think you're, Start saying, okay, whatever it is, my job or school or church, what's a positive thing? Yeah. Let me yeah. find an, something to be optimistic about. And if you can find those and say, yeah, I look at it a little better, disproportionate. If you can't find those, that's when we're looking that's at right. clinical depression. That's when we're looking yeah. through. And that's really what we want, want to look out for. All right. We haven't, we're obviously without Lee this episode, but we did have him uh, write and record a little pre produced piece. So this is a little story from Lee. And uh, we're going to take you to that right now. A few days ago, I was headed off for some peace and quiet. My goal was to get alone, sit down for a minute, clear my head, and then turn my attention to the scriptures and just spend some time there to see if the Lord had anything to tell me. As I was about to settle into a comfortable chair, my phone rang and I answered it. It was a good friend who was having a hard time. Honestly, I immediately wished I'd let the call go to voicemail, but this dude obviously needed to talk, and it was too late. I had already picked up the call. I guess I could have pretended the service was bad and just hung up, you know. Sorry, dude, I'm dropping the call, but I didn't. He was struggling. I was curious, and so we pressed on. My friend proceeded to tell me about a problem that we had talked about several times before. This wasn't a new issue, and there was no new information. It was the same old thing over again. He had been here before and would probably be here again. I have to be honest and say I was bummed to be right back there in the middle of a stale conversation that never seemed to go anywhere. Nevertheless, I listened. I told my friend I was sorry. I didn't really offer any solutions, but I did tell him I would pray. We got off the phone and I finally settled into that place of quiet. I opened up the scriptures and turned to the place where I had last left off. It was Mark chapter 8, and I have to be real with you here, I rolled my eyes. Like, I actually rolled my eyes. Why? Well, because my Bible has those little paragraph headings, and I saw that this passage I was about to read was the feeding of the 4,000, and I didn't want to read about that. I mean... I've read that dang story a thousand times, and before I ever even looked at it, I was already feeling frustrated. I mean, this is a kid's story, right? I mean, why is this even in the Gospels? Just a few chapters before this, we have the feeding of the 5,000. Now we have the feeding of the 4,000. It feels like a a sequel to a good movie. You know, it's, it's exactly the same as the first one, just not really as good or as interesting 
or as impressive. Great. So I started reading this old, familiar passage that had never given me much of anything with a terrible attitude. And again, here, I need to be real honest with you. This isn't one of those Christian stories where fireworks started going off and a miracle occurred and all of a sudden I understood all the deep mysteries of life and my friend's problems were solved. I don't really have time or energy for those types of stories. No, this is much more low-key and boring than that. I simply read the story of Jesus feeding the 4,000 about three times through. The first time I read it, I rolled my eyes yet again. (laughs) Then I asked the Lord to show me what in the world this had to do with my life in any way. I asked him to give me something. I invited him into that little moment and I read it again. And again, I didn't really see anything. I prayed again. And I thought about my friend who was struggling and how frustrated I was with him and, and then read the feeding of the 4,000 for a third time. And that's when I saw it. I saw the way Jesus feels about my hurting friend. I saw myself right there in that story and I actually saw what to do next. You see, on this particular day in Mark chapter 8, Tons of folks went to listen to Jesus and didn't bring any food for the journey. They got hungry. And we're all thinking, duh, that's what happens when you don't bring food. You get hungry. Why does this keep happening in the Gospels? Why don't people pack more food when they go to hear Jesus? What's with all the terrible planning? But Jesus didn't share my frustration. In Mark 8, when Jesus opened his mouth, he didn't scold anyone. He wasn't upset. No one was in trouble. Jesus said, I have compassion for these people. That was the first thing out of his mouth. Compassion. He then went on to fix the situation by doing something completely amazing and miraculous that no one else could do. The disciples were completely unable to fix it and had somehow completely forgotten the last situation exactly like this one where Jesus did something amazing they could not do. They asked, where are we going to buy enough bread for these people? And you're thinking, what? Where were you guys with the 5,000? Don't you even remember? My friend was hurting in the same old way he had hurt before. And Jesus loved him. Simple as that. Jesus is patient, compassionate, and active. I'm like those disciples. There's nothing I can do. And somehow I always forget that Jesus can and will get to work in really cool ways. My job is to remember, trust Jesus, and then do whatever little thing he's asking me to do, even if that is as simple as, bring me that little amount you have. It wasn't fireworks. It wasn't a revival. No one's life was changed. But I went to the Bible and I found the living God there. He cares. He's at work. And his word is living and active. And for my part, I get the most out of the scriptures when I get quiet, when I get honest, and when I have nowhere else to turn. That's where he meets me.
so we hope you enjoyed that a little bit from Lee. Very cool thing. All right, we're going to jump to our last question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr, and it says, I've heard you guys on the podcast joke about stealing points from one another and other people stealing your ministry ideas without giving you credit. Well, recently, someone decided to leave our campus outreach and start his own version, copying us heavenly. He even... Heavily. Not heavenly. Sure. <laughs> copying us heavily. He even used a similar name, leading to some confusion. We're all angry about it and don't know how to respond. It feels like betrayal and plagiarism. So how do you guys manage to be so cool about it? And Glenn, <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to having someone rip off your ministry ideas and <laughs> slightly change the name. But uh, uh, I can't. Yeah, I can't. I don't know if I've. There's been... bridges too. Several things in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, in my mind, you're you're actually talking about two different things. So yeah. let's make sure mm-hmm. we separate those out. First of all, in terms of stealing ministry content, which is what we're often talking about, stealing a you know a sermon point or those kind of things. Uh, the thing to recognize there, it's all been preached before. Yeah. Yeah. If, if it's all based in the Bible, somebody's said it before, somebody will say it again. Uh, An no, example of that, the Christian bookstore. Yep. That's, you know, uh, good preachers will steal points from, with each, from each other with total free abandon. Mm. It's, it's, it's only new and inexperienced preachers that try and come up with super original. original. That's, you know. Uh, I've seen really amazing pastors who could come up with their own amazing stuff, hear a point someone else preaches, and immediately write it down. Yep. And they've got a whole sermon in their head off of that. It, it, and, and they'll say, there's more meat on that bone. He didn't, he didn't get all of it. I, yep. I, I can see what's going on with that point, and I can bring it out, whatever. Uh, and in terms of that, um, I'm probably... I believe this about myself. I'm probably stolen from more than anyone I know. Yeah. But here's the reason why, in terms of uh, content type stuff like that, but here's the reason why, is that um, an unusual thing about my career is uh, that my early professional mentors and the people I worked under uh, were some of the best in their fields of of, uh, uh, working with uh, juvenile inmates and then later working with gang members on the streets. These are some of the, you know, the the top experts in the country. Uh, I've had the privilege of working with the denominational leaders and seminary uh, professors, all those kinds of people. Uh, and, uh, I, and so I've heard a lot, yeah. and then I've stole it all and used it. So the fact that people steal it from me, I don't take uh, uh, offense at because I stole it. That's sure. my point. So, I, yeah, I'm stolen from a lot, but they're just taking stuff that that you know uh, that I I stole from somewhere else. And it, 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 on the occasion that they steal something that's original to me, I I I don't think I can take that personally because it's you're you know, still in the positive. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so so there's that. But what you're talking about here is a little bit of a different thing where you're talking about stealing your ministry program uh, set up and the structure of that and 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 particularly the name um, uh, and as 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 Matt's pointing out we've had that yeah. we, we've we've experienced that we've had people come see what we're doing uh, in the same town that we're in establish a thing that has an extremely similar name and um, and enough to be confusing to people and set it up and what have you uh, but here's the response that I had to that after, you know, steam shooting out of my ears for, you know, uh, the, a few minutes, is that ultimately kind of doesn't matter. First and foremost, 
uh, we're we're pretty darn good at what we do. And uh, if somebody thinks that they can wander in, take a look around, and assume they can do much better at that than we can, I think there's a bit of pride at work there, given the, the years of experience that we've got. But if they're right about that, well, that's just more work that's getting done for the kingdom, and that's good. It's, a, it's not a bad thing. There's plenty of people to go around. We're not, we, yeah. we, 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 there's no shortage of human beings that need to hear the word, so that's not a problem. Uh, but uh, what we see a whole lot of is an attitude of somebody who wants to steal a program like that or steal a name is really looking to kind of borrow that credibility. And yeah. they're often doing that on the basis of, I see these people do it, and I think I'm smarter than them. Mm-hmm. So I can steal what they're doing and, and apply all my superior knowledge to it and then I can do better. This is actually uh, the recipe for disaster. Yeah. Uh, we, we've been stolen from many times where if someone had come to us and said, hey, I want to do something similar to what you do, and I'd like you to tell me how you do it, and then I can, then I can rip it off, we would have been happy to do that. I get those phone calls very frequently when people say, I, I want your advice on how to do whatever, and I just want to steal all your ideas. I'm happy to do that. I do it all the time. You're 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 welcome to put a name to it that sounds kind of similar, and that that I I don't I don't worry about that. Uh, but it's the people that do that on the download that again ninety percent of the time that stuff fails. The, the the example we were just talking about, but somebody who came up with something similar in our hometown, uh, it it died a horrible 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 death right away, and it's the kind of thing you you end up feeling sorry for them more than you know, yeah. angry on our part. Um, I think we've mentioned it on this podcast. We, we won't mention any particular details, but there was a podcast that uh, came out uh, with a suspiciously similar sounding name to ours. Their logo looked like our logo, sort of with the colors reversed out. Uh, similar, well, basically the exact same format almost. And... Um, uh, it had uh, a, a larger institution it was connected to where they were able to promote that. And uh, we... Theoretically, they were able to promote it. Uh, yeah. And, uh, we, w- and we knew people who knew them, so we kind of figured out how they got a hold of that. It's kind of one of those things we all looked at each other like, well, this is kind of a little bit of a shady, kind of this kind of a bogus whatever. But at the, at the end of the day, it was simply a case of... Uh, again, almost feeling sorry for them. It would have been, it, it, we would have been happy to help them set it up. We would have been happy to cross promote it for God's sake. You know, we we would have been uh, pleased to work with them on it as far as that goes, but they kind of struck out on their own in sort of a, a little bit of a, you know, whatever. And it, 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 it just didn't. It no longer exists. Yeah. So uh, ultimately the cream rises to the top. Uh, ultimately uh, it, it's, it's better if we can find ways of working together. But I think, you can't let yourself be thrown by that. Do what, what God's calling you to do. Do your best at it. And you know, people will see that quality, and they'll they'll give you that reputation. You're absolutely right. And it's important to differentiate, as Glenn's pointing out here, when we uh, talk and joke about kind of especially stealing stuff amongst each other, mm-hmm. the overall uh, thing about that is 
we're all, you know, whether that's preaching points, the bridge, whether that's stuff here on the podcast, whether that's uh, music stuff, people Jed works with it's, it's, we're all pointing in the same direction, trying to get the same thing done. We, we joke about, you know, me stealing Glenn's point from lunch, but if I'm the one preaching and Glenn's not preaching, then it's yeah. all in the same umbrella. So it all kind of works. Yeah. Obviously we're talking about something a little different here, which is somebody from the outside coming in, taking something. So someone apparently did something not cool. And Jed, maybe if I can get you to speak to what's the process of this was not cool. This sucks. I hate this person. I am angry. Yeah. But as Glenn's pointing out, there's really nothing to be done about it. We've got yeah. stuff we need to focus on here. So, but how do we, how do we deal with those emotions as opposed to oppressing them, but then get on with life? That's a great question. Well, the key thing is we're really sorry this happened to you. That's you know? a bummer. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you're just saying it feels like betrayal and plagiarism. I hear that. Mm. Yeah, I felt that we've we've all felt that we're really sorry. That's what you're dealing with. Um, One of the things about um, to use the theological phrase getting screwed over is Mm. um, there's nothing you can do about it, Mm. because if you could, you would already have done it. Right. And you wouldn't send us this question. I mean, that feeling of powerlessness, honestly, is one of the most frustrating things is Mm. this awful thing happened and I can't really do anything about it. And Mm. and I'm sorry for that part, too. Um, So. I think um, the journey forward in terms of dealing with emotions, A, is being honest about how you feel, and it sounds like you're doing a good job with that. In other words, what you don't want to do is say, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Right, yeah. Can, your voice that. goes up three octaves. Sure. That's a bad idea. It's all for the glory. We're all, all for the glory. glory. Together. We're, all, we're all in body. It's fine. Um, don't do that. So you say, mm-hmm. no, it sucked. Um, this dude's a, you know, he's a jerk, and, you know, it's betrayal and plagiarism, you know, and get all that out. But then it is about at least two things. First saying, is there, just in a human sense, realistically, is there anything we could do even if we wanted to? Right. Um, and what you'll find is 99 times out of 100, the answer is no. Right. Um, that one time out of 100, you could do something. It tends to be something that would be a nuclear blast uh, that you could do it, but it would destroy that other person's life mm-hmm. um, and it wouldn't help you in any way. Uh, so it's not really a consideration. Um, and so once you've established that there's nothing that you can do or the things you could do, you don't want to do, and they're, they're not things God would want you to do, then what that leaves you with is, um, what now? And the what now is you have work that God has for you to do. Um, you have people that God wants you to express his love to, and you need to sink yourself into that. Um, you know, in the dating world, uh, there's an old adage, which is actually really true, Nothing gets you over the last one like the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's true. Um, you know, somebody breaks up with you, the, the shortest path to feeling better is to get into that next relationship. That's right. That can be expressed in unhealthy ways, mm-hmm. certainly, but it's, it's true. There's a similar quality here. Um, nothing gets you over the pain of something kind of blowing up, like getting into something new that you're excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, sinking yourself back into the work, you know, getting that new project going, you know, getting that new initiative going, getting some new people that you're discipling, you know, whatever that is, whatever the corresponding thing is for your work. But it's sinking yourself into the work that God has for you. The funny thing, here, here's one of the differences between young people in ministry and old people in ministry. Young people in ministry, by definition, have not seen it happen before. Yeah. yeah. Old people in ministry have. Yeah. Um, the reason people who've seen it before are not concerned is they know how this plays out. Yep, that's right. Um, nine times out of ten, a guy that would pull this move, or a girl, but a person that would pull this move, I'm going to steal somebody else's thing, kind of, you know, you know, do an end around and whatnot. They don't have what it takes to make that go, and it's going to crash and burn. It's going to be a huge embarrassment for them. 
Um, I don't say this with any sense of joy, but just so you know, we've all been in ministry a long time. We've seen a lot of people pull some squirrely moves and do stuff mm. they shouldn't do. And plenty of that not connected with us, just right, you know, right. stuff that we're aware of. That stuff never works. Never works. I mean, and the extent to which it doesn't work, I wouldn't wish that stuff in my worst Mm-mm. enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's always the kind of stuff where, if you can dig it, this will sound odd for me to say, but if God could show you the life of this person five years from now, if you could just, mm-hmm. you know, get a vision of it, you would feel bad for them. That's exactly yeah. right. And it would inspire you right now to start praying for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's anything I can do to help, right. God, right. just just show me. And that's not that's not because they're cursed or anything. It's just right. that's how this stuff plays out. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, people that pull these kind of moves tend to have internal struggles. And people with those kind of internal struggles that are trying to be in ministry leadership never works out. That's right. And it, it always becomes a problem for them. So sink yourself. Be honest about how you're doing. Um, cast those cares on the Lord. Cast those cares on people you can trust. And then sink yourself into the work the Lord has for you. That's right. That's the way forward. Before you know it, you'll you'll have moved on to other things. And I totally agree with what, what Jez is saying there. And I think uh, really it's about pouring yourself into the people that you're ministering to and really serving mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Because... If, if the people who know you and 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 respect you for the the heart that you have and the character that you have, it doesn't matter what the hype it is. It doesn't yeah. matter what somebody says out in the hinterlands or whatever. It it always comes back to uh, the reputation that you've earned. And again, that's a bit of old dude wisdom. Yep. It's been around the block a few times. Uh, the the hype and the 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 person out there trying to spread rumors or say negative stuff, whatever. That's going to blow up in their face if you've done the hard work yep. of establishing a good reputation, having everybody know who you who you are, what your character is, and so that's the thing to focus on right now is to increase that. To say, hey, we don't, we're not. Whatever he's doing is what he's doing. If it's for the kingdom, that's great. We we're not opposed to that. To do with it, we don't have anything to do with it. That's between him and Jesus. Uh, we just want to know how can we serve you? How can we love you? How can we lift you up? That's what we're here to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the Bible speaks to that directly in Romans twelve seventeen. It says, "Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Oh, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And there's a lot going on there, but it really just echoes what these guys say. It's not worth the effort to go back to getting revenge and That's paying right. somebody back because a because God's going to take care of it." And B, because you should be putting your effort towards, as Glenn puts out here, and I think sometimes Christians like this, it seems a little political, it seems a little kind of House of cards but you want to be able to, when someone says, well, so-and-so said that you, all I mean, have said, no, he's, he, he had his reasons for, he or she, they had their reasons for leaving, they're doing their own thing, we're doing our own thing, it's no big deal. That's right. Because if that's just way better for your ministry in general, yeah. it is as something that uh, these guys more than I, but all of us over here have had to practice. And again, it's hard to see it in the moment, but if you can push out of that five, 10 year period, that real all really does pay off. All right. That's a lot of good stuff. Thanks for listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago.tumble.com. We're going to take out with a little bit of Lee this week. This is a song here recorded for bridge box called can this be We're going to take out that. Thanks for listening. We love you. God loves you. Nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, keeping it weird because you asked for it. Yeah. City of Austin's gonna sue somebody. <laughs> I wouldn't have chosen a heart like mine. I wouldn't have loved me the way you do. I don't get this right very much of the time. But Jesus, 
you 